the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get under the way, underway rather, <clears throat> at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 23rd morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Good news for you today. Peter Kersenow makes his return. Pete's been out traveling for the last two weeks, so you have missed his um, dulcet tones and his brilliance and wisdom. He will be back at 10 o'clock or 10.05, roughly, to pour over the news of the day. And much, much news do we have. Uh, appreciate you spending the time with us. We're going to talk uh, about a lot of things involving the president and his ongoing battle with the squids. That conversation is still to come. New information about some of the squids, including Sharia Talib and including um, uh, uh, Representative Jihad Omar. So we're looking forward to getting you uh, caught up to speed there. And also information about racial politics being played down in Georgia. The Democrat went down to Georgia and she got busted in a hoax hate crime uh, by a Cuban-American who was not having it. Those stories still to come. But going to start this morning by talking about the President of the United States doubling down on fast-track deportations. Why? Because it's his job. Because that is exactly what we hired him to do. And the left, of course, is immediately filing a lawsuit to stop him from doing his job. The Trump administration announced yesterday plans to extend the power immigration officers have to deport migrants before they appear at court. A move the White House says could mean less time for migrants in those horrible, terrible concentration camp detention centers while cases wind their way through the legal system. It's the right thing to do. It's what should have been done a long time ago, and it is, of course, why the American Civil Liberties Union is trying to stop it. The ACLU and American Immigration Council have said they are suing to block the policy that the president is expected to begin today. Fast-track critics say the policy grants too much power to immigration agents and U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials. 
The announcement was the second major policy shift in eight days following the unprecedented surge of families from Central America's Northern Triangle of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Royce Murray is the managing director of the American Immigration Council, and he told the New York Times that the Trump administration is, quote, throwing everything they have at asylum seekers in an effort to turn everyone humanly possible away and to deport as many people as possible, end quote. To which I will say, that is not fake news. That is accurate. But to which I will also ask, what's wrong with that? We should be trying to turn asylum seekers away when they are phony asylum seekers. That's the problem. When you have Democrats and liberal groups in this country waving these people in, waving them up from the triangle of countries in Central America, the Northern Triangle, telling them, come on in, because all you're going to have to do is be tamed for a short period of time, and then we let you go into the cities to never be seen again. Because we know 90% of you, literally 9 in 10, asylum seekers who are released into the United States do not return for their asylum hearing. And so the Democrats are making that known. They give them the language, they know what to say, claim they're fleeing political or uh, religious persecution in their country, and then they get to be set free. Waving them in by promising them what? Free health care under a Medicare for All plan that is yet to be devised. Waving them in by what? The latest from Alexandria Damasio-Cortez yesterday promising lifelong health care services to migrant children. Let me say that again. Non-citizen, illegal alien children being dragged here either by their parents or by human traffickers or by uh, drug mules or anybody else because kids being brought in as quote-unquote families mean faster release and easy access to the country. AOC wants to give them lifetime health care services on the taxpayer's dime. They're waving in more and more and more of these people. Phony asylum seekers seeking only economic opportunity. They should be turned back as fast as humanly possible. And that is exactly what the Trump administration is promising. Fast-track deportations can apply to anyone in the country illegally for less than two years. Kevin McAleenan is the Homeland Security Secretary. He said the nationwide extension of expedited removal authority is another Trump administration effort to address the ongoing crisis at the border. This will free up beds in the detention facilities and reduce the backlog of more than 900,000 cases in immigration courts currently. I just want you to excuse me, I just want you to think about that. The left is telling us these detention facilities are horrible. They're torture chambers, they're concentration camps. People have to sleep on the floors. People have to sleep under solar blankets. And that's because there are hundreds of thousands of them being detained in detention facilities designed for a small fraction of that. There's no room. So one of the things we have to do is free up space free up bed space, and just adjudicate these cases in a much faster way. Fast-track deportations, fast-track denials of asylum. 
McElwain had said Homeland Security officials with the new deportation power will deport migrants in the country illegally more quickly than the Justice Department's immigration courts, which can take years to resolve. Omar Jadat, director of the ACLU's Immigrant Rights Project, slammed the plan as, quote, unlawful. He said the plan, you know, here, this is what's hysterical. Immigration lawyers and pro-immigration individuals like this telling the government, telling border security, telling homeland security, telling the DOJ that they oppose things that are unlawful. As they argue in defense of illegal aliens who are unlawfully in the country. (laughs) You, You can't write that. Jodat said, under the plan, immigrants who have lived here for years would be deported with less due process than people get in traffic court. See, the problem with that argument is just that it's a load of horse dung. It's trash. It's garbage. As pointed out already by Homeland Security, these fast-track deportations can apply only to people in the country illegally for less than two years. So this idea of people who have been here for years would be deported with less due process, no. Expedited removal gives enforcement agencies broad authority to deport people without allowing them to appear before an immigration judge with limited exceptions, including if they express fear of returning home and pass an initial screening for asylum. McLean said 20,570 people arrested in the nation's interior from October 2017 through September of last year had been in the U.S. for less than two years. It would make them eligible for fast-track deportation under the new rule. The average stay in an immigration detention center on the border in the fast-track removal was 11.4 days from October 2017 through September of last year, compared to 51 days for people arrested in the nation's interior. So there you go. Uh, An important step by the Trump administration trying to deal with a situation that the Democrats refuse to try to improve. They refuse to change the asylum laws to close the loopholes. They refuse to fund bigger detention facilities on the border. They refuse to allow deportations to take place. Then they complain that there are hundreds of thousands of people in overcrowded detention facilities who aren't being released into the interior of the United States. The president is doing the best he can with zero Democratic cooperation on national security and sovereignty. First, he came up with two weeks ago the very simple and very basic and, quite frankly, very commonsensible plan that says if you truly are in fear for your life in your country, then you must seek asylum in the first available country. And if you're coming from Guatemala, El Salvador, or Honduras, that would be Mexico. If you are fleeing for your life because of persecution in Mexico from the Mexican government, then maybe your first place of asylum or refuge would be the United States. But if you're coming through one country to get to another, you have to seek asylum in that first country first. That was the president's plan two weeks ago. What happened? Democrats filed a lawsuit. Judge shopped, found an Obama attorney, said, nope, can't do that, and joined the uh, order. And now, of course, it's in the legal fight. Same thing is going to happen here with this one, thanks to the ACLU. No one cares about the immigrants. Understand this. Not one single Democrat, not one liberal, cares about the immigrants or their rights. They care about stopping Trump. They care about 
stopping all of his agenda. They care about stopping him from having success. They care about getting more voters in this country. And considering the fact that they have rallied around the the woman that they chose to give the Democratic response in February to the uh, State of the Union address, Stacey Abrams, who said she wants illegal aliens to be able to vote, now you know why they want these people here. They don't care about their well-being. They care about getting them voting rights, and they care about stopping Donald Trump. That is the mission of the Democrat Party today. And that will be the mission of the Democrat Party tomorrow as well when they get Bob Mueller on the stand and try to tear apart the uh, Mueller report and prove that Donald Trump uh, did something uh, illegal, prove that he obstructed justice or colluded with Russia, even though the Mueller report says he did neither. So that's coming up as well. All right, it's 918. We'll take a quick time out here. Welcome you to the program at 216-901-0945. Guest free until 10 o'clock. Cursing now at 10, so you can join us now between now and 10 o'clock. We'll get you right up and on the radio on AM 1420 The Now the Bob Brands Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer phone lines open at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. I want to follow up on the story yesterday that we were telling you about the weekend. The um, latest hoax hate crime or hoax hate incident uh, perpetrated by Democrats. In this particular case, an African American legislator in Georgia by the name of Erica Thomas tweeted on Friday that she was accosted in a grocery store by a white man who called her a lazy SOB and told her to go back where she came from. Then she told the same story through phony crocodile tears on Facebook Live, saying she was traumatized by this. White privilege, a clear implication of Donald Trump, because, of course, Donald Trump is under fire for telling Ilhan Omar to go back to Somalia and fix that government before she tries to fix this one. So clearly another attempt to turn white people into racists who are Trump supporters who traumatize black people by saying things like this. Unfortunately for her, she went too far when she called a press conference. I mean, she doubled and then tripled down on her fake story because then showing up at the press conference was the individual that she accused who pointed out, I'm not white, I'm Cuban. That's number one. Number two, I'm not a racist Trump supporter. I hate Trump. Now, number three, I never told you to go back where you came from. Pull the videotape. There's surveillance tape. And the reason we know he's telling the truth and that she's not is because if she was telling the truth, you would already be seeing that tape all over the mainstream media. You would be seeing it everywhere. So you have a Democrat, a Cuban-American Democrat, who told her, stop being a lazy bee by putting 20-some items on the conveyor belt and in in the uh, express lane instead of going through the other checkout line like you should have. And she turned it into a racist hate crime or hate incident against her. So that's part part one of the story. And by the way, she was then forced to backtrack off of that and uh, essentially said, well, maybe he didn't say those words, but that's how I I felt. (laughs) In other words, busted like Jussie. Busted like the mainstream news media when it came to the Covington Catholic kids. But that's only the first part of the story. The second part of the story is we're learning more about this woman. We're learning more about hoax, hate crimer, Erica Thomas, state representative of the great state of Georgia. 
back in February, not of this year, but of last year, February of 2018. She took to Twitter to respond like much of the nation did to the Parkland, Florida school shooting. While the rest of the nation, almost all of us, tweeted prayers of support for the victims and their families, 17 people were shot and killed at Stoneman Douglas, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. We prayed and expressed concern for the victims and their families. Erica Thomas, the hoax hate crimer, took to Twitter to take up for the shooter instead. That's right, she thought it would be better to show sympathy and concern for the shooter rather than the shooting victims. Quote, My heart goes out to Nicholas Cruz. I could stop it right there and be over. My heart goes out to Nicholas Cruz. Nicholas Cruz, in case you forgot, was the mass shooter. My heart goes out to Nicholas Cruz. Some don't know how to cope with being an orphan. I thank God every day for getting me through the system in one piece. Hashtag Florida shooting. Hashtag mental health. Hashtag pray for Douglas. Hashtag pray for Nick. Nick being Nicholas Cruz. I mean, it just gets worse and worse and worse. First, she has to retract her viral claim that a white man told her to go back where she came from, making it sound as though it was, again, a racial uh, insult or slur. And now we find out because she has made the... She was tra- this is the best part about it, I suppose. She pulled that nonsense for publicity, to try to advance her career, advance her political career, to make a name for herself. That's the negative part of it, but here's the good part of it. Because she has made a name for herself, people are looking into her, who never did before. And this is what they found. Pray for Nick. My heart goes out to Nicholas Cruz. Not to the victims, not to their families, but to the shooter. So keep that in mind whenever you you hear more stories about that. I have this, by the way. I've been active on social media all morning long. So if you are a follower on Facebook or Twitter or a parlor, although I haven't put these things on parlor yet, I need to. Uh, but you can follow me in all of those places at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and um, uh, get the information and share it with other people on your networks because it is important. This is the kind of person that the left rallies around all weekend long. Hashtag, I stand with Erica. I stand with Erica. What I want to know, liberal Democrats, when are you going to apologize for standing, standing with Erica? Hoax hate crimer and sympathizer with this mass school shooter. TJ in Cleveland, let's get you up and on the air before the bottom of the hour. Go ahead, TJ. TJ. And the whole front page was filled with the anti-Trump immigration protest in downtown Cleveland. Yeah. And even in their own article, they said about 100 people showed up. A hundred people. Now, you and I could have got more people than that for an anti-cheeseburger protest. Now, yeah, and the thing is, well, Bob, the whole front I, page. No, I, happen to, I, hey, hey, I happen to like cheeseburgers. I would never protest them. I would not be at your rally. I'm sorry. Poor choice of words there for me. But, but I mean, the whole front page, and then they dedicated three pages inside the A section to this massive protest. You know, they talk about phony news. I mean, this isn't phony. There was a protest. But my God, a hundred people in a city this size—it's—it's—it's it's, it's laughable. And and what's even what's even more laughable is the fact that they covered it the way that they did, and not talking about what they're protesting, which is what—the enforcement of American law. 
I mean, seriously, the Cleveland Plain Dealer and their online arm, Cleveland.com, is, has lost so much credibility. So much credibility when it comes to reporting on law enforcement. Whether it be local law enforcement or federal law enforcement, they side with the lawbreakers. They are anti-police. They are anti-federal police, which is what ICE is. And it just gets worse from there. TJ, thanks for the call. News Now on AM 1420, The Answer. Sonny and fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's get back to the squids and their battle with um, President Donald Trump. The squids, of course, include Ayanna Presley, Sharia Tlaib, uh, as well as uh, Jihad Omar, and yes, Alexandria Damasio Cortez. Uh, Sharia Tlaib appeared on Monday at the NAACP's annual convention. She used the opportunity to, to do two things: number one, attack the President of the United States again which is, by the way, perfectly fine and okay, according to the mainstream media. They are allowed to attack him all they want. He is not allowed to fire back at them, or else he is the racist. But she repeated her call to impeach President Trump, just like she did the day of her swearing in, the day she took the oath of office to be a member of Congress. She then looked at a camera and said, let's impeach the mother blanker, except she didn't say blanker. Here she is at the NAACP's annual conference yesterday. Yeah, I'm not going nowhere. Not until I impeach this president. I, I should just stop it right there and just let it speak for itself. But she did two things. She attacked the president. I'm not going nowhere. Obviously not to English class. Probably should have. A time or two. But then she also used the opportunity to call for a socialist takeover of the United States. She also used this as an opportunity to call for the robbing, the theft of money from American citizens to be redistributed according to the government's um, designs to other people, to less uh, uh, affluent people. Give this entire 40-second clip a listen. Yeah, I'm not going nowhere. (laughs) If you can stand it. We must get back to the original view of the Civil Rights Act. I I, I just have to say this again. I I don't know what it is. Well, I guess I do know what it is. It's the ideas, not the sound. Have you ever heard more unpleasant-sounding voices than the voices of an excited and exuberant Hillary Clinton, an excited and exuberant uh, Sharia Tlaib, Jihad Omar? The, the, The liberal Democrat women's voices are just ear-piercing fingernails on chalkboard feeling seriously it's just so hard to hear and i apologize for doing that to you on live radio but and ensure that all marginalized communities have the protections they need under the law to combat discrimination both in the private and the public sector we need bold action folks and i know what's happening out there you know there's all of this young women and it's beyond just the four of us the squad is all of you and I can tell you, there's, you are all the squad. Apparently you are all squids. If you're a woman, you are all part of the squids. Trust me, if you for, support equity, you support justice, you are one of us. <laughs> if you support justice here is the definition of justice, according to 
Sharia Tlaib. What she is advancing and what she announced yesterday was that she wanted to push her BOOST Act. The BOOST Act stands for, you gotta love these acronyms when they come up with these things, right? The BOOST Act is the Building Our Opportunities to Survive and Thrive. BOOST Act. What is the BOOST Act? The BOOST Act is Socialist Redistribution of Wealth. The Boost Act is stealing money from people who don't, or from people who do have it, and giving it by government uh, disbursement to people who don't. The proposed offer from Sharia Tlaib is an uh, is an offer of a guaranteed income, up to six thousand dollars per year, to all families and individuals under certain financial thresholds, viable a refundable tax credit that can be paid monthly. Paid monthly. Sending checks from the government to people just for existing and not making a certain amount of money over a threshold. The Michigan Lawmakers Boost Act serves as her response to what she calls the GOP tax scam, despite the fact that two-thirds of Americans paid less in taxes in 2017 and will in 2018, or I'm sorry, did in 2018, thanks to the tax cuts. She said, and I quote, I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals rather, the GOP tax scam, which is called a tax cut, that is only helping wealthier individuals, she said, which is not true because I'm not a wealthy individual and it sure as heck helped me and just about everybody I know. Moreover, it helped businesses, small businesses, with tax cuts, excuse me, that enabled them to hire more workers and enable them to expand their operations. She goes on to say, quote, and do you know what I do with that money? We're going to go ahead and put it in the pockets of folks who, uh, like everyday Americans, noting that families who make less than $100,000 a year could get up to $6,000 in just flat-out government disbursements. Taking the moral route, she said it's important to give money back to the people who actually, quote, earned it, suggesting that wealthy people did not earn their money and don't deserve to keep it. Now, last time I looked, I don't know too many people who pick themselves up from poverty to wealth to entrepreneurship to business ownership, and that's primarily where wealth comes from, without working their tails off. They earned it. And if they earned it and then had so much wealth that they were able to pass it on to their children... It was still earned. Although the left will say those children didn't earn it, so they don't get to keep it. If you're a member of a wealthy family and you have a bunch of money that you yourself personally didn't go out there and earn, you don't get to keep it. We're going to take it from you and disperse it to random impoverished people by way of government distribution. I want you to think about that for a second. The Boost Act, she added, serves as a signal that we've gone too far in providing for corporations and the rich and those on top and have not taken care of our everyday folks, who she says are $400 away from falling into the cycle of poverty. Got bad news for you, Sharia. There are fewer people closer to poverty today, far fewer than there were during the 10 years of the Barack Obama presidency. Why? Wages are higher than they have been in well over a decade manufacturing jobs are back in the United States.
people who were working part-time service sector jobs are now in manufacturing jobs making far more money to keep them far away from the cycle of poverty. Secondly, and this needs to just be pointed out, do you know what percentage of lottery winners end up broke within 10 years? It's an extraordinary number. It's an extraordinarily high number. We've all seen it. Lottery winners tend to go broke. Why? Because they didn't earn the money that they were given, and they treated it as a luxury. They bought all kinds of luxurious things with it. Rather than seeing it as generational wealth that can be passed on to their children, they wasted it because they didn't earn it. It doesn't have value when you get it for free. And what do you think is going to happen to this massive number of American individuals and families who are going to get free money, guaranteed incomes from the federal government just for existing, just for being alive, not earning it in any way? And in fact, to make sure that they get the free money, they may intentionally earn less than what the threshold is so they can get their free $6,000. And what are they going to do with it? They're going to waste it, just like lottery winners do, by an extraordinary percentage. Because when you get $20 from Dad, and you didn't do anything, you said, Dad, can I have 20 bucks?" and he gives it to you, it's found money and it is playtime. If you earn $20 mowing a couple of neighbors' lawns, and you have the sweat equity involved in two and a half, three hours in the hot baking sun, That $20 means a lot more to you. You're protective of it. You take care to spend it wisely because it was hard to get. And once it's gone, it's going to be hard to get another $20. I'm going to have to go put more sweat equity into it. When you give people things, they do not respect it. When you give people guaranteed incomes, it will be wasted. They will be wasted because they have no investment in it. And all they will have to do is cry and plead and play upon the emotional heartstrings of the liberals and say, um, I ran out, give me more. And they'll run and say, you know, the rich still have too much, let's give them more. It's, it's, it's really a staggering thing. And this is what they're doing. Now, I just ran all of that past you. This is what socialism is, and this is what Donald Trump meant when he said these women, do these four women, do not love the country. They do not love the United States of America. This is an example of it. If they did love it, what would they have done? They would be fighting to protect it, not fighting to change it, to fundamentally change it from what it is to something else. If you like, we talked about this when Barack Obama came in and said, I'm going to fundamentally transform America. If he loved America, you wouldn't want to transform it. You would want to maintain it. You would want to return it to great, uh, to past glories, economic opportunities for all, rebound from the recession. That's what Donald Trump wanted to do. That's where the, the, the uh, slogan, Make America Great Again, came from. Return America to past glories. When we were the economic envy of the world, not stuck in a recession, not with the weak military, but a strong military, one that is used to, uh, to, to bring the greater good, sometimes if need by force, to save American allies and innocents around the world. Let's return this country to something great, not let's fundamentally change this country, not let's uproot the capitalist society that has been built and turn it into a socialist society, not let's take away people's hard-earned money 
take it from them and give it to somebody else. When Donald Trump said that the squids hated the United States of America, he was right. When Stephen Miller went on with Chris Wallace, that embarrassment of a journalist that is Chris Wallace, when he went on there and and discussed this and laid out what all of the squids have said, he was right. And, of course, any time we say these things about these squid members, uh, then, yes, they are, uh, uh, excuse me, we are considered racists because they are women of color. Don't forget. Don't you know women of color are off limits from criticism? You cannot disagree with wealth redistribution if wealth redistribution is being proposed by a woman of color. Because if you are, if you do disagree, if you do condemn, if you do criticize, then you are a racist, which means Stephen Miller, of course, is public enemy number one. Let me just cut to the heart of the issue. These four congresswomen detest America as it exists, as it is currently constructed. They want to tear down the structure of our country. They want it to be a socialist, open borders country. If you, as Donald... How how can that possibly be disputed? You just heard Sharia Tlaib talking about taking from the rich and giving to the poor, governmental control, government collects it, government collectivists uh, hoard everything and then dole it out as they see fit. Making every American believe that the government will take care of you. You come to us for your allowance. We will take care of it. You do not have to go out there and earn on your own. You do not have to go out there and thrive on your own. And by the way, if you do, we're going to take it away from you and give it to somebody else. That's exactly what Sharia Tlaib just described. And it's exactly what Stephen Miller said on Sunday. Country. If you, as Donald Trump says, want to destroy America with open borders, you cannot say you love your country. If you attack border agents the way that Ocasio-Cortez has, it means you have a deep-seated hatred of the nation as it exists. That's why you want to erase its borders, fundamentally transform the country, and in the process, it doesn't matter if American citizens lose their jobs, lose their homes, lose their livelihoods, lose their health coverage, and lose their very lives. There's a gigantic, enormous distinction between Donald Trump saying, I'm going to get on the world stage and put America first in every single thing we do, versus the view that says America should never come first and American citizens should never come first, which is their view, and that's what we're going to take to the ballot box. Let me just cut to the heart of the issue. These four congressmen detest... It is 9.50. We're back right after this. Authority considering on AM 1420. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it's uh, it's about like that. It's about USSR style. That is exactly what Sharia Tlaib and the rest of them are advancing. That's what, obviously, I don't want to go through the list of uh, the ridiculousness in the uh, Green New Deal as well, but that's what, uh, what uh, uh, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez stands for. Well, I-, I want to pivot to this story coming out of New York City. If you have not yet seen the viral video of police officers in Harlem, New York, making an arrest a lawful arrest as they are assaulted, pelted with objects, drenched with water. Um, You need to see it. 
It's on my social media, France Radio on, on Facebook, France Radio on Twitter. You need to see it. These officers are being assaulted with objects and, again, with buckets of water as they make an arrest. And I mean from all over the place. There are all kinds of camera angles. They are doing nothing aggressive. They are doing nothing to defend themselves. And they have become target practice. Sitting ducks for assaults made by these thugs in Harlem. It is disgusting. It is reprehensible. It is, it is hard to watch. As much as I want to say I admire them for keeping their cool and their poise, as much as I admire them for not turning and physically confronting those who were physically assaulting them, and yes, dumping buckets of water on police officers while on duty constitutes an assault. And this is how law enforcement is treated in a country that has decided that police officers are the enemy, in a country in which police officers were routinely mocked and ridiculed by the president and his administration for for eight years. And this is what happens to police officers in a city like New York, where Bill de Blasio runs his city in outright contempt for law enforcement. And that's what Rudy Giuliani said. Rudy Giuliani, earlier today, pointed the finger squarely at de Blasio after these videos surfaced of cops being attacked. This is what happens, Giuliani said, with knee-jerk disrespect for police. It will only get worse until these left-wing idiots are defeated. That's Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor. He tweeted that this morning. The former mayor even had stronger words last night, excuse me, on Laura Ingram's program, saying that de Blasio was absolutely destroying the quality of life in this city. He is a disgrace, and even Democrats don't support him and are embarrassed of him. He said, our anti-cop, no, I beg your pardon, New York City uh, Police Benevolent Association President Patrick Lynch also called out city leadership, saying... Our anti-cop lawmakers have gotten their wish. The NYPD is now frozen. It's not the fault of these police officers. It's the end result of the torrent of bad policies and anti-police rhetoric that has been streaming out of City Hall and Albany for years now. Disorder controls the streets, and our elected leaders refuse to allow us to take them back. 100% true. Giuliani said, He warned that the crimes would not decrease as long as officers are in this environment where they must take abuse and are not allowed to reclaim control of the streets. Quote, the way you reduce crime is to have police officers with high morale. That uniform should be respected. And of course it is not. New York City Police Department Chief uh, Terrence Monaghan said the acts were reprehensible and said officers do remarkable work and that the department has their back. But yet, The department would not have their back if they turned around and slammed these punks to the ground and put them in handcuffs and arrested them for battery or assault. You know they wouldn't. That's why they couldn't do it. Cops didn't want to be the next ones facing charges, so they had to stand there and take that abuse. How can that be allowed in a decent society? How can a civil society exist, quite frankly, when those responsible for its protection... 
and its civility are, are the whipping boys in the streets, our target practice, are, are completely neutered from their ability to enforce the law. Because if they turn around and use physical force against people who are using physical force against them, including by throwing objects and dumping water, they will be the ones accused of, uh, of uh, excessive force. Something has got to change. We'll talk about this with Peter Kirsten. I'll give you that Rudy Giuliani audio from last night as well as we continue in hour number two right here on a Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 